Welcome to Strategy Simplified, Season 6, Episode 8. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Farouk. Farouk is an international medical graduate from Lebanon who made the leap from medicine to consulting. He's heading into an internship with a top 15 strategy house, EY Parthenon. In the interview, you'll get tons of valuable nuggets from his approach to his prep that allowed him to land an offer. Without further ado, here's my discussion with Farouk. Farouk, welcome to Strategy Simplified. We're excited to have you on the podcast to hear your story from from going from international medical graduate to consulting at EY Parthenon. So thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. To start off, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Can you just share a quick overview of who you are and your background with us? Sure, sounds good. Um, so uh, as we were saying, I'm Lebanese. I'm not going to give you like a formal time about yourself. Uh, I'll kind of like give you like a brief um, interest. So uh, to start with, from an academic uh, perspective, I graduated twice from the American University of Beirut, first time in 2014 majoring in biology, second time 2018 as a medical doctor. Uh, during my time in medical school, I would say I grew professionally and personally and realized the importance of quality of life. And being in a third world country, uh, I was exposed. I was exposed to uh, refugee camps. I moonlighted my community hospital, so I was fortunate to have that side of my education. But I was also fortunate to experience the other side of medicine because I was able to fly to the U.S. and do several internships in the U.S. Uh, the most prominent one for me in the U.S. was the uh, rotation that I did in prostate cancer and men's health at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, because that was the segue for me to get into clinical research at University of California, Irvine after graduation. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, uh, active for quality of life. And as you can tell, prostate cancer patients, they do uh, they deal a lot with quality of life and consequences after treatment. So that was my initial purpose um, after graduation. I moved to California, started doing my research at UCI. I was fortunate to have a great team surrounding, surrounding me. I was able to come up with uh, 30, 34 papers, 77 abstracts that I presented at both national and international conferences. Um, I went to eight conferences. That was unfortunately before the pandemic. Um, and then later on, so traditionally, you, you were probably wondering why consulting after all that time. Traditionally, my path was to apply to residency in the U.S. And this is what I wanted to do as a, to become a urologist in the United States. But during my research time, I got exposed to the healthcare industry, more specifically with some medical devices company, with some pharma companies. And I found some uh, um, interest in this industry. So this mm-hmm. is when I got exposed to healthcare consulting that we can um, elaborate later on moving with this, with this podcast. But that was like my first step towards to get to know what was healthcare consulti- consulting, started reaching out to people, understanding a little bit more about the process. And this is when I found like this is this is how my career is taking me. So I decided to apply to, my, to attend an MBA program. I got into Carnegie Mellon University here in Pittsburgh and then started the recruiting process. And as you know, I'm going into consulting. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Can we go a little bit deeper into your transition? So you're from Lebanon, your background in medicine. And so what prompted the the switch from medicine into consulting? Was there um, a specific story, a specific experience that opened your eyes and, and intrigued you to that world? Yeah, for sure. So I would say to, to make it to make the story short. So when I was doing my clinical research at UC Irvine, um, I was kind of experiencing what would be what was going to be as a physician, as a surgeon. Like, 
Medicine, again, this is, a, I just want to uh, make uh, uh, our audience understand, like, this is a personal opinion thing. People can, can, can disagree on different stuff. But for me, I felt medicine has become so specialized. You would end up doing the same thing over and over again. And I didn't feel it was something uh, uh, that I see my career moving forward. I did not see myself doing the same thing for the next 30 and 40 years. And as a scholar man, I did my research and I was surprised to see how consulting fits so well with what I was looking for and how medicine prepared me to be a good consultant. To give you like a quick, quick example, like in, in, my, in my professional world, I used to review literature to get into speed into new areas. Now with the consulting, you have to review client material and, and understand their businesses. In the, in the research world, you would build hypotheses and experiment and test them. And now in the consulting world, you have to identify key business challenges and iterate on solutions. So basically, it's so easy for me to do the switch because I do have the transferable skills. I just need to, to switch the setting from working with patients to working with clients. And this is when emotional intelligence that I acquired from working with patients in different settings allowed me, allowed me to have these like specific skills that I can leverage in the consulting world. So this is, this is how I started to formulate that. Oh, like consulting is a good function. It's a great function where I can leverage all my experiences and the knowledge that I had. And as I said earlier, I'm, I'm pretty active when it comes to quality of life. I'm really passionate about healthcare. So I felt it was a great kind of marriage between consulting function, healthcare industry. I can be a healthcare consultant. So this is, this is how I switched from the clinical side of things to the, to the industry and to the consulting side of things. So this is, that was basically my initial thought and how I approached this. Uh, and, and, and I was able to make the switch. Absolutely. That's, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing. And so now you've decided, okay, consulting matches with my skill set. My background actually enables me to be a good consultant. I just have to apply the skills maybe a little bit differently. And so you interviewed with a couple of top firms and inter- uh, received a couple of different offers. Um, can you share about that process of researching firms, deciding after receiving those offers, deciding that EY Parthenon, which you ultimately accepted, was right for you? Why Why did you decide on EY Parthenon? Sure. Um, to, to break down uh, the question step by step to kind of like help our audience how to navigate their process as well. So. At first, when I decided that I'm going to get my MBA, um, I had some time before to start my program. Um, I did I did some research. It was not too extensive because I didn't know exactly what I was going into. And I knew the network at Tapper would definitely help me narrow down some firms and to do some uh, uh, networking. But before that, uh, I took the time to start understanding what is casing because any company going to apply to, casing is going to be a big factor. Like no matter what company you end up joining, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get away from casing. So, so yep. casing was a major component. So this is when I started to do my research and this is when I found management consulted. And after reading uh, the stuff on the website, I felt, I felt it would be a great investment for me to enroll in the black belt program that you guys offer. And I was part of the June cohort. So this is what I first started doing to get familiar with the components of the case, because this is something that was new to me. I had no experience how to do a case, how to tackle a case, how to ask questions. So I started by watching all the videos um, in the, in the, um, in the bootcamp that you guys have, in the case interview bootcamp. So to kind of familiarize myself because I had some time before my MBA program. And um, also I would throw in as well one great resource that I used 
Uh, it's a book, Case in Point by Mark Consentino. Probably any any consulting uh, uh, candidate would, would know this book. It was, it was a book that was really helpful for me, so I highly recommend this book as well. And then after watching the videos, um, it was the time when I started my MBA program as well. So I started to get to know what are the firms, who are the firms and who they recruit and what they are looking for? Because at the end of the day, it's a two-way street. Like they, they, the mm-hmm. uh, the companies, they want good candidates and the candidates want to find a great fit. For me, because and probably other people like other, other MDs and PhD candidates, maybe you would have different interests. You know, like a lot of candidates have like MBB kind of like mentality. I would say for us, it's not... MBB or bus. This is something I used to like uh, uh, hear a lot from candidates like me because we are interested in a specific industry. You want to go to a company that, first of all, offers offers this, these industries that you're looking for, the, the different verticals that you're looking for, and you want to be surrounded with someone who went through something you are going through. For example, this is that was one the biggest leverages and factors that weighed in my decision. My mentor is a, is a Tepper alum. She's a Tepper alum. Uh, she was an MD as well. She's an international medical, medical graduate as well. Um, so she guided me through the process and I felt by joining EYP and being a, a player on her team, I can learn a lot. Um, so I, I will always weigh in who you are going to work with. Like it's, a, it's a personal mm-hmm. decision, but I, I give a high value and high impact to the people. I, I feel, I, I feel people are the most, uh, uh, valuable asset in a company. So when you do your research, try to connect with different people and, and you'll know which company you resonate more the most. So that was basically kind of taking you how I prepared. I, we can definitely go deeper if our audience will be interested to know how I prepared for the casing, but I'm just like kind of guiding you how EYP was the uh, uh, the choice for me. Like again, I, I interviewed a lot of great companies. I got offers from great companies. It's a it's a nice problem to have, you know. Like yeah. having multiple offers is a nice problem to have. So candidates should be like assured that they're not gonna make a bad decision. It's just a gut feeling with some rational feeling behind it and rash, rational thinking behind it. Where you who you want to work with more than just where you want to end up. Absolutely. So what I'm hearing is two things. One, case spread was critical. And two, networking was a, an important step as well. Talking with people at the firm to get a feel for for the culture, the firm's personality, and what really resonated with you the most. 100%. 100%. And just to give a little bit of additional context for uh, what you mentioned as far as Black Belt. Black Belt is our case prep program, and it includes a boot camp called the Case Interview Boot Camp. That's what Farouk was referring to. Um, but I would love to go back into your case prep. Let's go a little, little deeper into that. Can you share um, your process for that? Um, sure. What did that look like? So to kind of like give it in layer to our audiences, so the number one I did, as I said, is watch the videos. Watching the videos makes you like familiar with the components of the case. Um, I felt it was a really good exercise to start um, into casing because I didn't want to do something without understanding the basic of, of, of the casing. So the videos helped really uh, 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 were great. And then the second thing, as I said, was the book. The book also helped me kind of uh, get into the right track. 
And um, the second, the second thing, the the third thing that I started doing also is watch people casing. Um, you at Management Consultant, you usually have these uh, uh, webinars where you can watch people, live candidates, uh, do some cases. That was extremely helpful. I was like actively watching the videos, trying to think, to think along, to come up with the my own frameworks. So that was kind of like an active uh, um, uh, exercise that I that that I, that I did. But this is the, and then the fourth step was the most important step is casing. Um, not just casing, give a case and do a case. This is extremely beneficial and kind of like a, a heads up for, the, for future candidates. It's going to feel bad the first time you case, even after <laughs> studying and reading. Um, I usually, uh, uh, like I, I told my, my friends, like, you can't learn swimming by watching people swimming and reading about swimming. You actually have to get in the water. So don't get discouraged if you feel bad the first couple of times. It's totally normal. I felt bad after my first yep. couple of cases. Uh, but it's extremely crucial. Uh, uh, I would say after you do some, some work, some studying, some uh, preparation, start casing and give a case. That was extremely beneficial for me because... When I started my MBA program, we had a, a, a TCC, which is the consulting club at Tepper, Tepper Consulting Club. They paired us with students who wanted to case at the same frequency. So probably like twice, three times a week, we would hop in a Zoom call. I would give the person, the student, a case. The student would give me a case. So you would understand uh, uh, from a, like a, an interviewee and interviewer perspective kind of things. So that was extremely helpful. That's the most important uh, uh, um aspect of the whole of the whole casing process and probably if if audience if the audience is interested to have like a number in mind i would kind of stay away from how many cases you need to to prepare it's not about uh, quantity it's about quality uh but if people are interested i usually i i did like in the 30s and give like 35 kind of case so that was basically the number if people want want to have like a reference but again i i highly um, emphasize on the, the quality. So one tip that I can give to candidates while preparing is do multiple cases from different industries and different functions. Don't stick from for the for specific industries. Even if you're recruiting for healthcare or non-healthcare, like this is what I did. Because sometimes in the in the interview process, you're not guaranteed to get a healthcare case. So get familiar with other industries uh, industries other functions. And what I used to do at the same time, I bought a, like a small no notebook. So when I was doing like an industry that I'm not comfortable with, I would write down certain questions that the candidate would ask in these, uh, in these, in these type of cases to kind of familiarize myself with certain uh, questions, especially during brainstorming, because during the case, as, as you start preparing, you, you can get uh, brainstorming questions. So once you get familiar with certain industry, you kind of have like a an arsenal of specific questions to ask. So you will be like way more prepared, more comfortable by having these questions. So I highly recommend candidates to have like a notebook with them along the case, the, along their casing journey to kind yeah. of like keep taking notes, you know, some, some specific interesting questions, interesting frameworks, interesting uh, buckets to kind of like uh, uh, stay, stay in shape, I would say. So this is basically kind of a, a, a let me use the word framework of how I uh, uh, I tackled the uh, uh, the preparation process. Well, you just shared a lot of gold in there. That's uh, a lot to to digest, but you nailed it on the head for how we work with with folks in the fact that it's quality over quantity. It's, there's no magic number of cases that you do until you feel prepared. It's different for everybody, and it depends on 
a lot of different factors, your partner, uh, the feedback, uh, the, the case you have, etc. And right, the, the, the approach is the same for cases, no matter which industry, whether you're in healthcare or human capital or tech, it's, can you be structured? Can you communicate well? Can you do math on the, on the spot? And etc. Welcome back to the show after this quick message. Want to break into the consulting firm of your dreams? Then join Black Belt, the world's most effective consulting prep program. You'll get A, expert guidance as you navigate consulting recruiting. B, confidence to walk into any case or behavioral interview knowing that you're prepared. And, and C, an 80% chance to land an offer in an industry where the average is 3%. Our expert team has helped thousands land offers at over 170 global consulting firms like McKinsey, Bain, BCG, EY, etc. And we can help you do the same. First, we'll make sure you get an interview by editing your resume and cover letter. Then, we'll prepare you for the interview through one-on-one coaching with a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant. We'll work with you no matter your background, timeline, or situation. We've seen it all. And with the right strategy, there is no such thing as an impossible situation. Are you ready to get the upper hand by joining the world's most effective consulting prep program? Visit the link in the show notes to join the June Black Belt cohort today. And so that's the, the case prep portion. And moving backwards to networking, can you talk to me a little bit about that? How did you find the right people to network with? Who did you find? Was it through Tepper? Was it on LinkedIn? Can you just mm-hmm. share a little bit more of the details of that? Sure. So I think one one bright side for candidates like us, like MDs and PhDs, you're not going to find as many as people from like different backgrounds in the consulting function. So once you find someone in the company that you're interested in from the same school, don't hesitate to reach out. People are out there to help you. So uh, to answer your question, it was both. It was a mix of both through through Tepper, through my school, and through LinkedIn. Um, for example, I would go on LinkedIn, type in the company, look in for, for the titles. I was interested in the industry, see who's in the industry, in the healthcare industry, and see just an MD next to it. Once I see an MD next to the <laughs> name, I know I need to reach out to them. And honestly, I would say my success rate was really high. If I want to give a number, I would say definitely more than 80% of, of response rate. So looks like a, a, a scholar, people like us, MDs and PhDs are really out there to help uh, new candidates. Um, so I, I, I would I would not, I, I would encourage people to reach out. Don't be afraid. Uh, don't abuse LinkedIn, but I mean, be smart on who to reach out to. Um, uh, they, they will definitely like, even myself, if people are interested, if the audience is interested to reach out to me, feel free to, um, we can definitely add a way, like add my name, add my LinkedIn page. They can definitely feel free to, uh, shoot me a text and we can connect as well. So that would say definitely LinkedIn for MBA candidates, definitely through their, um, alum network. It's going to be extremely helpful at that point. We had a, a track week. We had a, a week between mini one, mini two through the first semester where all the companies, all the consulting firms gave, um, uh, kind of like webinars and we had people we had contacts with people from our school to reach out to to ask questions and another point that i want to highlight don't just network for the sake of networking 
learn about the company, learn about the people, learn about the culture, because it's going to help you a lot through the other component of the interview, which is the fit or behavioral component of the, of the, of the recruiting process. Um, for some companies, it's even 50-50, like the weight of the mm-hmm. case and the behavioral component. Um, some firms had two behavioral components, one case component. So in some other firms, fit is, is extremely helpful. And when you talk to people, get the answers that you might expect to be asked, asked on during the interview. It will make you sound way less genetic and way more engaging with the company. So uh, this, is, this can be extremely helpful. Uh, to kind of like get the information you need about the uh, uh, the company. So just to kind of like to sum up, this is how I approached the networking process through my school, through LinkedIn. And I tried to get as much information as possible to learn about the company and to kind of like have the answers that I need for the uh, fit component of the, of the uh, recruiting process. So what I'm hearing you say is there are multiple ways to network, but the, the worst thing you can do is to not do it. Um, oh, 100%. And reach out to people at your level and at, with your background. They want to help, and most companies have a referral process, and so they're incentivized to help out um, 100%. that way. Yeah, hundred percent. And and one thing, you, like my my um, kind of like colleagues, like uh, second year, they usually say like, good thing you mentioned the uh, the referral, like. I, I never asked anyone for a referral, but once you network and you show your interest and you be like proactive about it, most of the time at the end of the call, like at the end of the Zoom call, um, the person would actually just like, he would be like, let me know when you want to apply, shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to refer you. So this, this is the advice that I got. So it might work for you. It might not work for you, but I mean, I'm just like, transferring the, the knowledge and pay it forward for the future candidates. So like uh, I was kind of like refrained from asking about the uh, uh, referral. Um, people are not, are not dumb, you know, like they, they know at the end that it, would, it, it, can, it can do you really well by referring you. So if they see your um, engagement, they will suggest it at the end. So uh, just kind of sharing my experience on that end as well. Okay. So you're a couple months out from starting at EYP. What are you most looking mm-hmm. forward to? Uh, to be honest, the, the people, I really want to meet all the people that I uh, connected with over Zoom because <laughs> this is this is the thing with pandemic. Uh, like there was no on-campus as in, in-person recruiting. Everything was virtual. Uh, I met a lot of people, a lot of great, great people. Can't wait to see them in person, to get to know them and to start like working with them as well um, and try to be as as helpful as possible with my background and, and knowledge. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I would say get back into the labor force. <laughs> Being a student is fun, but you want to, for me personally, I really want to go back to contributing to the healthcare uh, system and the life sciences industry. Like I can't wait uh, uh, to get working um, on, on these on the on these aspects of uh uh, especially being a part at, at, at EYP as well. So um, I would say this is what I'm most looking forward to, the people and the work. Awesome. And this will be the, the last question before we move on to a couple personal questions. And I'll make this a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Do you have one piece of guidance for A, people with international backgrounds, such as yourself, and B, people in medicine, uh, specifically IMGs? Mm-hmm. For for wow, those folks uh, looking to get into consulting, yeah. This is this like the, the the switch for me. It was maybe maybe I made it simple, easy. It was not easy. 
Um, definitely, it was it was like a I would say a thirteen to fifteen month process. Like I made it, it seem simple. Decision was not easy. Like all all the years that I invested time, energy, money in the in the clinical side, it might not be easy for some folks to do the switch. But at the end of the day, just think about yourself. Uh, we usually candidates are going to be in their twenties. We're going to think about this this switch. I would say. Even even in the thirties, you're still young. You still have uh, plenty of years ahead of you. Um, clinical medicine is a huge commitment. Uh, no one can answer this question by yourself. So you have to be convinced about this decision once you want to make this decision. So you want to be comfortable with this decision. That's like my personal opinion. People can be different, but especially people in medicine, because I know how long and tough the journey. Especially I've. I did all my USMLE exams. IMG people will understand what a USMLE is. Step one, step two, step two CK. So it was a big investment to do the switch off after all that time. Uh, but truly just think about what you want to do for the next 20, 30, and 40 years. That's, that's the big question. That's the key question. That's like the million dollar question. Just think about what drives you, what motivates you, um, and take it from there. So this is, this is the advice. Uh, for IMG and 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 uh, uh, candidates, uh, what is the the other component? Just for folks not from the from the US. Oh sure, uh, look at it look at it as a as a, like a learning learning curve. It's really interesting to get to know the different people, uh, learn about different cultures. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying the journey. Like I'm not I'm not stressing about the ups and downs because definitely there's some ups and downs. Um, keeping keeping my eyesight on the objective. Enjoying the journey. Um, for for international, definitely reach out to people because at the end of the day, we're n- we're not inventing the wheel. Some people before did this did the switch, came came across the seas, um, made it. You know, learn from them, reach out to them. Trust me, people like people are more than willing to help. This is something that I'm really amazed uh, uh, um, and I'm discovering to like I- I'm discovering it like on daily basis, like how helpful people are. So don't be afraid to, 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 to reach out. If you don't ask, you're not going to know. So just ask. Um, a lot of times you're going to find people who've done the same thing, try to learn from them, be comfortable with the process and enjoy the process. Amazing. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. I know there's a lot of folks who are going to find hope and inspiration in your story. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving into the last uh, segment of the podcast. A couple mm-hmm. personal questions get to know you. Sure. First one, what what are you doing on the weekend? What's what's a, a favorite weekend activity you have? So, I'm a I'm a pretty low maintenance guy. All what I need is working out and eating sweets. <laughs> so, usually <laughs> usually I play tennis on the weekend. I love tennis. It's either tennis or soccer uh with my tapered folks. Uh, we have like a, a soccer club, tennis club. So, it depends on the weather here in Pittsburgh. Uh if you can play soccer or, or indoors or outdoors it depends, but mainly working out. Uh it it keeps me it keeps it keeps my sanity. Uh <laughs> and I'm a Then you balance sweet. it out with the sweets, right? 100%. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is my motivation to work out is because I have a big uh, uh, sweet tooth. I love desserts. I love cheesecakes. I love chocolate mousse. Um, yeah, and, and, and I kind of uh, gave that trait to my fiance. So now like uh, every single time we go eat a meal, we should have a sweet. So this is what I do uh, when, when, when my fiance is in town. We definitely, I definitely spend time with my fiance. But I mean, other than that, it's mainly working out eating sweets, exploring different areas in Pittsburgh, but I can enjoy uh, uh, good desserts. Like last last weekend, I got really, 
uh, great mini donuts. That was a good place. I'm definitely checking out this place again. They have a, a lot of varieties. So this is what I do on the weekend. Okay. I love it. I'll have to check that out if I'm ever in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, and the last question to to round this out: um, Can you share one one item from your, from your bucket list? Sure, I'll, I'll share one item. That's it's mainly two items connected together. Um, so the one, the first one is, uh, you know, like this. There's this famous video about rest in peace. Kobe Bryant said like uh, he was two up in the finals, and he said, "Why should I be happy? Job not finished." So this is how I'm looking at the internship. I got the internship, but job not finished. So one bucket list item is to secure a full time with EYP, hopefully. Uh, so that's one bucket list. And the day I sign my full time offer, uh, I'm gonna propose. So I'm not ruining the uh, the surprise to my fiance, but I need a full time, and then I can propose to my fiance and hopefully get married. So uh, this is what I'm looking forward to in the remaining of uh, 2022, hopefully. That's awesome. Got an exciting year ahead. Yep, yep, hopefully. Cool. Very exciting. Well, Fadouk, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for sharing your story, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. If you've gotten anything from this podcast, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review, or Spotify to simply leave a rating. You can also shoot the team an email podcast at managementconsulted.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll catch you next week.